Awesome. How's everyone doing? You're good. I realize this, I've kind of committed the, the sin of pastors. I left my Bible at home, so I'm going to be reading out of my iPad, which is, uh, I'm still, I still like the page Bible. I haven't really moved on to, um, to modern technology. Yeah. But um, I just want to actually, Kurt is here. Do you want to stand up, Kurt? Kurt uh, started, well not started the church, he came probably about a year into the church plant, him and his uh, wife and, and two boys, we missed them immensely when they left, still are missing you, uh, you bought such an amazing flavor, but I know you're in Germany now and he, he has an open home, which we offer to everyone, so if anyone wants a holiday in Germany, Kurt is your man, he'll look after you, he'll give you lots of pork, okay, cool, and then, sorry, I've totally forgotten your name, I'm sorry, Ian. So Andre's friend Ian, he has been a, a pastor at some points to the Springbok South African rugby team and uh, has led a church for many years and is in training, but it's really good to have you here as well. We just, I'm looking forward to catching up with you. So, cool. So we, uh, we started a series last week and Simon so eloquently spoke about what it means to be a surfer and position yourself in the right place in the surf. Otherwise, either you'll catch no waves or the waves will, will crash on top of you. And I feel so much in our lives, and, uh, and last week I spoke about the, the life of David, that you can miss out what God's wanting to do in and through you, and in and through even in this local church, because we've positioned ourselves in the wrong position. And, uh, and I, we spoke through that David, the only, one of the few times he was out of position is when he sinned. He, he ended up sleeping with Bathsheba, killed Bathsheba's husband. When we step out of the position or out of the place that, that God has called us to be, that's when we are susceptible to the enemy to come in. And uh, so I want to talk this morning about being positioned in the Spirit or positioning ourselves in the Spirit. Can we pray? Father, we, we come before you this morning. We thank you, God, for your word that just brings life. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just come and work in our hearts this morning. We would not, uh, any distractions, God, that, are, that is maybe want to come in our minds, we've had whatever week we've had, we just put that aside and we, we, we've already started to focus on you through worship. But I pray, Lord God, that as your word is, is spoken into our hearts, it would minister to us. It would speak deeply to us, Father. And yeah, God, we want to be awaiting people. I, I see throughout the, the New Testament and even when there's revivals that have broken out, it's when men and women wait on the Holy Spirit. So God, we just give you space this morning to do what you need to do in our hearts and lives. Thank you, Father. I almost changed my sermon 15 minutes ago, um, which is, would have been quite scary, but I want to give a, little, a few little things that I felt God drop into my heart when we're in prayer meeting. We're talking about being led by the Spirit and now I have to follow what he's saying, okay? <laughs> Even if it's not on my notes. And, uh, and uh, for those of you who have preached before, that, that often does happen. But just kind of as an opening scripture, that if we can kind of put this up, I'm sure we've got it. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So there's the Spirit that is working, doing stuff. And God is calling us to step alongside the Spirit and walk alongside Him. So I need two volunteers. Johnny, you're looking very keen. And um, 
Skulk. They're going to fart each other, bare knuckle fart. <laughs> okay. Can you guys stand on the stage? <laughs> no, we don't do that. We don't believe in that kind of violence. Uh, <laughs> or, or even that. We don't also believe in that. But, um, so let's just say that... Um, let's say... Do you remember that... Uh, and, uh, can I have an old... I've got an, uh, a, a semi-dirty shirt... And I only thought of this illustration recently. So if there's a little bit of sweat on it, I apologize. Okay. So actually, can you guys stand together, like facing that way? No, no, side by side. I'm going to do a little uh, thing here. So who remembers these uh, three-legged race at school? And uh, I was horrible at it, um, and also the egg race and all that kind of thing. But I think it's a good way of illustrating. So can you guys try walk together, even if it's two steps? Okay, you can try step down, see what happens. Don't break my shirt. Okay, step back up backwards. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> cool. There we go. Before my shirt gets any more ruined. Okay, you can sit down. Okay, let's just say that Skulk, because he's wearing blue, he was the Holy Spirit. I don't know, I just felt like I needed to choose that as the color of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so often that, that happens in our life. And you can see that it was quite a difficult thing for them to, to walk in step with each other. And, uh, and for me, I think that, that for me perfectly illustrates how we need to st- be in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And the problem is that most of us walk our own way and the Holy Spirit's going this way. So it ends up becoming, instead of like you're out of sync with the Holy Spirit, so it's he's going right, left, you're going left, right, it's, it's a big mess and uh, you're not moving forward. And I, for me, it's, it's just an illustration of us wanting to see that if we want to walk next to the Holy Spirit and walk alongside Him, we have to be close to Him. You saw how close they got. They had to put their arms around one another and they had to walk closely. And I think that's what, for me, the heart of the Father's always been. And this is what God kind of dropped in my heart. In Isaiah 64, there's a, there's a prayer that Isaiah prays and he says, God, would you rend the heavens and come down? And I've heard people pray that over revival meetings and I've prayed it and I still do pray it and I believe in that. I believe that God can come and dwell in a certain area. You, you can see that throughout the Old Testament, even in the New. And it's, it's, there's the way God comes and visits his people. But it's very, very much an Old Testament thing. So there's, there's like a violent tearing apart of the heavens and it comes down. And then let's fast forward a few hundred years into the New Testament. Jesus is about to get baptized, and I'll talk a, bit, a little bit about this later. And uh, it says that the heavens tore open and a dove came, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and rested on Jesus. Powerful. Jesus, when he died on the cross, it says that the temple, was, the temple curtain was torn in two. The word for the tearing apart of the heavens and the tearing apart of the curtain is the same thing. What God is trying to get us is like he, in the Old Testament, it was we'd uh, cry to God, God, would you rend the heavens, come down on a certain place, certain time, in a moment. We go to the New Testament, Jesus makes a way for us to have unbroken relationship with the Holy Spirit. Forty days or so later, there's, the, the, there's Pentecost. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem for the power of God to come upon you. 
It says, when, you, when that power of God comes upon you, the Holy Spirit, you're going to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And I think what I want to get across this morning, it even came out in the prayer meeting, that the, the Spirit of God is not the forgotten God of the Trinity. There's a guy called Francis Chan. He wrote a book, The Forgotten God. And he came out of a very staunchly... Um, kind of a cessationist background where they believe the gifts and the work of the gifts had ceased in a certain time. I, c- I can tell you right now that there's, there's no place in Scripture for that. It's 100% utterly wrong that it's, the Spirit of God has never stopped moving. There wasn't a moment, okay, well, the Word was put together, and then all of a sudden we didn't need to operate in the gifts anymore. That it actually came from a place that the Spirit of God came down and was always meant to dwell amongst His people. So you have this moment where, where God meets them at, at Pentecost. That's the birth of the church. The Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of the people. Then they go out and they operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have moments where Peter would walk by and you see my shadow and his shadow would touch people and people would be healed. And I think so often through lack of seeing God move or we don't see him move every day of our lives and in that kind of way, we think God doesn't move like that anymore. And I'm telling you right now and today, 100% convinced from Scripture, first of all, but as I sing it myself, that God moves in power. God wants his presence to live in us, change us, so we can change the atmosphere around us. And I feel like we, we cannot carry on praying the prayers that said, God, would you rent the heavens? We live under open heaven. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you, you live under open heaven. So you must expect things to manifest around you. So you walk into a business meeting and you're carrying the presence of God. You're carrying the heart of God for a, for, for a subject or, or whatever's happening. And people start, that they, they can feel either the good or the bad side of it. They're like, there's something in, in their heart that just begins to manifest and then they come against you. Just, so kind of expect opposition when you have the Spirit of God living inside of you because it is opposed to this world. But it is the only thing, the only agent of change on this planet. The, the Word of God is authored by the Holy Spirit. There's um, somehow in, in the church worldwide, there's been kind of this, well, we word people, we spirit people. And I, I honestly 100% believe that that's not even the heart of who Jesus is. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. He carried the truth and the power of God. He carried the anointing and the power of God, and he, and he preached his word powerfully. And we need to understand that that is what God has called us to. As a people called out by him, we're not just meant to follow a bunch of principles. And one of the things I wrote uh, this week is that if you look at the Old Testament uh, people, they camped around the presence of God, fire by night, cloud by day. Yet in our modern Christianity, we, we, we get satisfied with a good word that gives me five principles how to live. Those are good, but that's not where it stops. And I'm trusting that this morning we're going to give space for the Holy Spirit to say, God, would you come and work in my heart? That God is real. I can tell you, I think I experienced the, the, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit at quite a young age. My mom went to a Toronto blessing thing. Who, know, who remembers that from the early 90s? Had some good, had some stuff that you, you just kind of put on the shelf. Um, but there was, all in all, there was the power of God that moved so powerfully in and through a church that spread across the world. My mom went to a meeting, and I remember my mom sitting next to me, and she was like getting her shake on. And, um, and I was like, I was like, I wasn't even saved at this stage, but I knew something was happening to her. She's like, no, boy, just receive, just receive. I'm like, I'm trying, mom. And um, some of us know we grew up in that thing, but there was also, there was such, 
I mean, I remember even chatting to Andre Nodea. He, his high school was set ablaze and on fire with the, where people would have meetings where the, the power and the presence of God was coming into the meetings. And I was saying, God, please let that be the norm. Uh, I, 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 it's going to get messy because king, the kingdom of heaven is pervading this earth and, and it's utterly different. And I, I don't want to live in a safe Christianity. I don't want to live where, it's, where everything's so well compartmentalized and boxed in and, uh, and, it, and, and everything works well and we, we've, we've taken the life and we've taken the dynamic, dynamicy. Is that a word? I've just made it up. But the dynamicy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the dynamic move of the Holy Spirit. I love this in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power. Can we say power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Holy Spirit always, generally when you see the Spirit in the New Testament, it's the word pneuma, which means breath and wind, or it's, it's the Holy Spirit, it means dynamos, which means dynamite. It's the power of God that comes on and says, will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You can even put martyr in there, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I want to encourage all of you just to go read through the book of Acts again. Just start from the beginning and op- read it with an open mind. And I remember Francis Chan saying this. He says, if we put a, a group of believers, newly saved believers, on an island with the Bible, what would come out? They would, they would start reading this and going, actually, we're meant to do that. Actually, we're meant to walk in the power of the Spirit. Actually, we are spirit beings first before we are uh, flesh beings. And, and God is, is, there's a continual move from us being from, from operating in the flesh to operating in the Spirit. And Stalin and I have learned this on so many different occasions. There's been stuff where we have facing in our lives, in the church, outside the church, whatever it is. And so much of it is actually one in the place of prayer and, and fasting, praying, being spiritual first before it comes into the flesh. Because if we react with the flesh, that's when we're going to start causing division in ourselves. And we have to operate from the place of the Spirit. So can we turn to John 15 verse 7, please? John 15. And if we... If we want to understand the Spirit, why not go to the person who knows the most about who the Spirit is, and that would be Jesus. Now, so we look at Jesus, and we know that theologically, God, while He was on this planet, He was 100% God, 100% man. There's a good theological term called the hypostatic union. doesn't matter. You don't have to know it, but it's good to know. <laughs> and um, there's, so God walked on the earth, but he, he constrained, in, in a way, constrained his divinity to become a man so he could operate under the full power and anointing of the Holy Spirit so it becomes an example for us to live by in our lives. Now, we're not going to all be Jesus and cause revivals, but the, 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 we may, some of us may, but the, the point Jesus was trying to make is that God is calling us to live by the Spirit and not walk by the flesh. And we'll read through Galatians 5 later, but it, it clearly speaks that if you walk by the flesh, you'll get this. But if you walk by the Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. These things, there's, uh, that is, uh, the, the Bible said it's above the Lord's. It's, it's you, you start following the Spirit, and His life starts to come inside of you. So, John 15, uh, sorry, John 16, 7. Apologies. I'm sure that's up behind me, am I right? Okay, can we go to John sixteen seven? My bad. If that's even possible, otherwise you can take whatever is off there, off. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you've got to believe it, eh? He's God. Um, 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, and he's obviously talking about his death and a resurrection and ascension, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So we learn so much just in that line that first of all, the Holy Spirit's a helper. He's going to come to us. He's going to obviously help us in our walk with God and help us to evangelize the earth and help us to step out in faith and all this kind of thing. It says, um, but if I go, I will not send him to you, which, which speaks that the Holy Spirit is a person. So often in our, in our lives, we can think of the Holy Spirit as this impersonal force, and people say, oh, there's a cloud that's rolling in, and He may manifest in different ways, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is a person that walks alongside us. Like Skulk was the Holy Spirit, Johnny was a sinful man, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Johnny's trying to follow his flesh, but the Holy Spirit's, no, we need to go this way. Um, and so, I'm going to get so lost there as I start speaking about Him. And when He comes, He will convict the world. <laughs> Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is already judged, Jesus has judged Satan. Um, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Because sometimes the truth of God can offend us. There was a moment in Jesus' ministry where he had thousands following him, and the stuff that he said was so offensive that he, he actually he grew his church back down to 12 people. And so often G, we come to Jesus and we, maybe the gospel that we can kind of believe is just like everything's going to get better, everything's going to get easier. I'm telling you it's not. The moment you get saved, there's a target on your head. Before you weren't a target. The, the enemy was happy that you were part of darkness, but now you're part of the kingdom of light. Um, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Love that. He will glorify me, sorry, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I've said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus wanted to make sure that we got that right, so he said it twice. So I've got quick, five quick points, hopefully it's quick, on um, how we actually walk in the Spirit. And I know I said it's not about following things, but sometimes you pick up a little nugget and we trust that the Holy Spirit will ignite that in our hearts. So number one, the Holy Spirit is our helper. If you look at the word there, it's parakletos, a helper, aid, advisor, comforter. You go look at different versions of the Bible, different words in, in, in the Greek. It kind of means all of that. But basically, it's someone who walks alongside you. And it's someone who is there whispering in your ear. He, he's, 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 he's wanting to, you to, to walk into all that God has for you. But so often, we walk our own way. For me, the presence of God is the greatest gift we can have from heaven. And for me, that's, we are never walking alone because of that. that. That God is always, always with us. I love this in, one, uh, sorry, in John 1 verse 32. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on Him. So there's this moment where the heaven opens, which I spoke about earlier, and the Spirit of God comes in the form of a dove and rests upon Jesus. Now, who's heard of uh, Leonard Ravenhill? 
famous evangelist. I encourage you to read anything he's written. He is hardcore. And um, he died a couple of years ago, 20 years ago, but just evangelized in England, was just kind of a prophet of his generation. And he, he was one of the first guys that came along and said, actually, if you look at a dove, a dove has nine main wings on either side. So you've got the nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then you've got the other side, I don't know, the other, it's the words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, etc. Okay, that's, a, that's as much as that's in my head. And then he also observed that on the back of uh, the dove, there's five main feathers which speak about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. Past, apostles, teachers, evangelists, prophets. What's the last one? Pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet. Apostle. Okay, apostle. Okay, someone actually taught me this week, and it's good for us to learn. The apostle is the thumb. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Because I've already forgotten it. <laughs> what he's trying to say is that that back tail of the dove is what actually guides the church. So you have pastors who pastor a local church. We have gifts that come into the church, and they help us steer the church. Next year, we've got some great friends that are coming through. Not, not people who are coming to show about their gift, but people who are coming to build into this church. And, it's, uh, and uh, for me, it's, it's just an incredible privilege to have people like that. For me, Elisa Bevere, although we don't have a, a kind of a deep relationship with her and she's preaching at the conference, she's a prophetic lady. I know that she's going to bring a prophetic message to our church. Mark, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, is an apostolic man. And he, he has planted many churches, but he comes in and he almost just helps steer the rudder. He steers where the church is going. He helps. And the highest form of any local church is the, is the elders and the pastors of the local church. We, we invite people to come and speak into our church. We have many voices that speak into our church and help us direct our way forward. So that's like the tales that are flattering behind. And it's amazing that God uses this picture of the Holy Spirit. You've got the fruits, you've got the gifts, you've got the power gifts that, that well not the power gifts, the, 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 the ascension gifts that Jesus came and gave to the church. For me, it's, it's a powerful, powerful picture how Jesus wants to walk alongside us in all of that. Can we turn into Galatians 5, please? I'm going to take a little longer. Galatians 5, verse 16. says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you, uh, you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, which we saw earlier, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, uh, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then it comes to this part, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Key verse. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amazing, amazing scripture. And for me, that, that speaks so much. But 
it brings me into my second point, is that the Holy Spirit convicts. It says in John that the the Holy Spirit will convict the world. Now, I I believe that firstly that he convicts those who don't know Jesus and, and exposes their sin to a place where they have to fall into Jesus' grace and, and trust Him for salvation. But then I also believe it's, it's as the Holy Spirit walks with us, He is sanctifying us. So we are sanctified, but we are being sanctified. We are becoming more like Jesus. And I love what Paul says there. It says, those who do those things, idolatry, sorcery, rivalries, etc., says there's no place or you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I believe this. And you can come and speak to me afterwards. I believe that our salvation is set in and secure the moment we gave our lives to Jesus. There's, there's nothing, the Bible says, that, can, that we can do that can separate us from the love of God. There's, there's, uh, there's, we get adopted into His family. We, we get sanctified, changed. God's not going to, okay, you're my son. Oh, you've messed up. Now you're not my son. Oh, you're my son. Oh, you've messed up. Now you're not my son. It's, we get adopted into the family. It's, it's absolutely secure. I think what, what Paul is speaking about here is that there's benefits of the kingdom of God on this earth. Because if you look at Galatians 5 and 6, it's clearly speaking about our life now. That God wants us to be free now, saved now, and uh, set free from stuff now. And, uh, and I believe that we, we have the choice to choose Jesus and as believers. And uh, if, we, if we choose the flesh, we're going to walk into the flesh. We're going to walk into those things. And for me, so many people will look at stuff like uh, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, all that stuff. But then they forget about envy. And then they're like, okay, well, that's not that bad. Uh, or drunkenness. Oh, you know, that's, 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 God will forgive me if I do that. And we kind of we play with Scripture the way we want it to be. I believe that we are 100% sanctified, saved, but we can... Through our actions, we can or cannot live in the fullness of what God has for us. I'm trying to find a quote here. Michael Eaton says this. The Christian is safe in his status in the kingdom of God. But the sinning Christian is setting himself up for a loss of blessings of the kingdom. For the powerful, for the powerful corrective punishments of God and for the possibility of ultimately being saved through fire, we are to walk in freedom, we are to walk in the Spirit. God asks ask this of us to do it voluntarily and willingly. God, we have a choice. we saved, sanctified, made pure before Him, but we can walk one way and miss what God is doing or we can walk with the Spirit and walk in the blessings of God. And isn't it amazing, the Bible says that, that, the, that the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the things that we are looking for in life when we, when we want to indulge in the flesh is righteousness. We're looking for some kind of peace. So, we, so there's every form of addiction. There's every form of, okay, well, I'm going to have 15 beers tonight because it makes me feel better. I'm going to do this. Every form of addiction sits in that place. So it's, there's love. Uh, sorry. I'm totally missing. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. And most of the stuff we do in, in looking for the flesh, we're looking for those things, and we're not realizing that it's actually found within the kingdom of God. And I think God today wants us to move from a place of, of operating in the flesh to walking in His Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And I just, as I was prepping, just this thing came out to me. It says, the Word is our map and the Spirit is our compass. The Word of God is our map 
and the Spirit is our compass. When God speaks to you to do anything, if it's through a dream or through a prophetic word or through Him just having a sense in your heart, it will never contradict His word. And uh, God, God is, the, sorry, the word is on map, the Spirit is our compass. Last I need to say there, verse number four, the, the Holy Spirit speaks of the future. I love this. 1 Corinthians 14, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. This is out of NLT. Especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be, you'll be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. God, we are prophetic people as a church. We, we believe that the gifts are in operation, that sometimes you'll see one of the, the leaders or someone comes up and it doesn't have to be leaders, it can be anyone. God will give them a prophetic word, a picture, or whatever it is about someone's life. I've, I was recently in a meeting and this, this guy would call out dates and, 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 and names and streets and surnames and stuff where it's absolutely 100% accurate, words of knowledge. It's, it's powerful. We are a, a prophetic people. The Spirit speaks of the future. And then my final point is this, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. I, I love in, in, in Acts 1.8 it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It doesn't say my Holy Spirit will come upon you full stop. God puts his Spirit on us so we can go be a, an agent of change in the world. Can we all stand? Teddy, would you mind coming up? I'm going to read a few things. There's a, a Latin terminology that's it's called Missio Dei. And it's really just understanding that, first of all, the Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. And we, when, what we're doing here today, we're on God's mission. That God has called us to, to be His missionaries on this planet, to, to, to fill us with His presence so we can go out in power. And I, I can tell you right now that I need the presence of God in my life. Without Him, I'm nothing. So can we all close our eyes?